I love being at Rocky River Church. This is such a blessing. I, I need to go back here and grab something. I'll just keep on talking while I do it. H2O. The water boy would be proud of me. Not that I would ever watch a movie so silly. I'm just always dead serious. Has anybody seen John Wick 3? No, just never mind. <clears throat> I am uh, privileged to be here. I have been involved with Rocky River Church since 2001. Uh, love Pastor Jimmy like a son, uh, like a brother in the Lord. Um, him and I have been to Gulfport, Mississippi together, been to conferences together. I gave him a wet willy. I thought he was going to die. You know, Jimmy's somewhat of a germaphobe. And he was going to have to wash his ear out for a week and a half. And Catherine looked at me, Catherine Hatcher looked at me and said, you shouldn't have done that. I'm the older, more obnoxious brother. And, and we had a lot of fun. We went to Gulfport, Mississippi together and, and a bunch of guys from the church and, and had an awesome time. Had an awesome time. Jimmy and I, we found out we're nothing alike. <laughs> he thought it would be a good idea to share a room with me. The next day I come to my room and his stuff was all gone. He said, I had to find a place a little quieter. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But, but I've been with, with Jimmy since he was at the bank. The, we, you actually used to have an office that was in a bank. No, you didn't have the money. You just had the bank, the old bank. And then you moved across the street. You were at Rocky River Elementary School. I was there. At Pitt School Elementary School, I was there. Now I've been here. And, and I praise God to see what God has done at Rocky River. I remember when you only had to have one service and you didn't fill that one out. And, and I believe that, that Rocky River's best days are ahead of her. And, and, and you get to be a part of that. And I'm, I hope I encourage you today. I'm going to try to take you back a little bit today. See, I, I haven't preached since December. And I cut the first service short so that I would have plenty of time this service. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on, people, lighten up. <laughs> and, you know, the people that don't like football are saying, amen, preach on, brother. And the people that like football say, you got to hurry up. I'm missing the tailgate, man. What's wrong with you? Now, those people didn't even come today. You know that. That's all right. Who's here is supposed to be here. And I believe I have a word from God for you today. You see, God loves you very much. He, he, he's loved you since before you were even thought of. Before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye, he loved you. I'm going to talk to you about that today. See, today's message is based on, on, on it's called Stuck in the Middle. And, and we, we all have a beginning, we all have an end. God it says, in the beginning was God. In the beginning was God. 
He created everything. I believe that. I believe the whole Bible cover to cover. I could preach the whole Bible cover to cover. I believe it's true. There are some sections I don't understand. I will admit that. And I'm going to continue studying them until I do. It's not that they're wrong. I just don't understand them. Forgive me. I'm not as smart as Jimmy. But, but, but you get all the way to Revelation chapter 22, and it says that Jesus says in the red letter, he says in 2220, he says, surely I am coming. And here we are stuck in the middle. We know all that God's done. He's made it clear in his word. Many of us have been in the church most of our lives and we, we've studied the word. Now I understand there's probably people here that didn't grow up in church and haven't been around church and are new to church and that's okay. But we all need to have a beginning. So what does stuck in the middle look like? What does stuck in the middle look like? I have seen stuck in the middle many times. I've talked to people who had jobs and, and their boss was a jerk. And they felt stuck in the job. They, they, they had bills. They had to pay their bills. They had to go to work. It's not like they could just quit. But they needed a job, another job because they felt stuck in the middle. And, and it seemed like it was nowhere, like, like they were getting nowhere, and, and they just felt stuck. They just felt stuck. So they got themselves a new job, and they got a new jerk. I mean, a new boss. <laughs> and then they started their own company, and they were a jerk. Okay? The boss is always a jerk. If you're a boss, I'm sorry. You're a jerk. Because that's what people think. I don't know why. Everybody feels stuck. And they want to blame it on the boss. It's not the boss's fault, people. I've seen people in bad marriages and they feel stuck. They feel stuck. I had one poor woman come into my office all the time crying. I don't know how long, much longer I can put up with this man. And I said, honey, you got to stay with me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she, she, she would come in, into my office week after week and tell me how terrible her husband was. Can't believe, just couldn't stand that man. He, I don't know why I married him, blah, 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 blah. And every week she came in. And, and one day he passed away. He died just all of a sudden. Out of the blue, nobody was expecting, hadn't been sick, just died. The very next week she was in my office Oh, Pastor, I miss my husband so much. I, that guy wanted to, couldn't stand, couldn't stand to see him. And what, what, what happened? She felt stuck. There are things that, I'll, I'll do one more, just in case you're, you're, you're not with me. I have known women that had trouble having children. I've been in this business a long time, and I prayed with them. We anointed with all. We prayed over them. We, we believed Jesus for them to have children. And they just felt, if I was to have a child, I would be complete. And, and they ended up having a child. I don't know if it was the oil I used, whatever. And a few years later, so the people were like, pray for my children, they're of the devil. <laughs> no, that was the child we prayed for. You see, once they start walking and talking, it's like, now nah, i got to deal with this thing. What was I praying for? What was I thinking? Why did we have so many kids? You only had two. But they are a lot. 
people feel stuck today. Could you help me out with that? With my, with my, with my song? I got a little song for you. I'm a little 70s guy, you know? I just can't help myself. I hope you enjoy it. I'm not singing it. Some of you might know it. Woo, you can dance if you want. been surrounded by clowns and jokers in your life? Huh? Huh? It's bad when you're sitting next to them in church, huh? It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father in heaven, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Father, change the things in me and each one of these people that need to change. Help us to grow close to you today. Help us to have this appointment with you so that, Lord, we can enter into a more intimate relationship with you. We thank you, God, that you love us and that you have a plan for our lives. We thank you that we get to be a part of this church. Pray for Pastor Jimmy and the group that's over in Israel. Pray that your hand of protection will be upon them. Pray for all those people in the Bahamas and along the coast that have lost uh, their, their lives, Lord, their, their everything they have. Father, we pray that you'll provide their every need. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do in and through our lives. Use us now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, I, I, I'm going to give you a homework assignment ahead of time. Now, this week, I want you to read the book of Philippians twice. Now, don't get freaked out. It's a four-chapter book, and you can probably read it in 15 minutes, maybe 20 if you're a slow reader like me. But I, I, I suggest you read through it. And as you read through it, just take a look at what the Apostle Paul is talking about there. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4 are all full of such, such great nuggets of truth about our relationship with the living God. And, and I just want you to grab a whole... I was thinking about preaching the whole book, but Jimmy told me I only had 35 to 40 minutes, so I didn't think I could get it all in. But we're going to start in chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on or will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, if you were following in your NIV Bible, you would realize I was quoting NIV and trying to read the English Standard Version. 
I like the King James Version there. It says, says, it says, He who began a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. But the one thing that, that the, the, the three things that are consistent in this passage is there's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's a completion. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's a completion. Most of us, most of us have had a beginning with Christ. Most of us have entered into a relationship with Christ. That's why you come to church. You, you've been a believer a long time. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ already. You entered into that relationship. Some of us in this room have never entered into a relationship, have never had a beginning with Christ, so we don't know what that looks like and what that's supposed to be like. Mine happened to happen, my beginning happened March 25th of 1979. I had started to church. My wife and I were having a very hard marital problems. It was all her fault. She, she pays the bills here at the church. She pays the bills, and she appreciates all of you giving and making her job easier. Her name's Karen. Most of you have not met her. She is, you know, when you see her with me, you know I, I'm way over my head, way over my head. But, but I am thankful for her. But, but we just have to know that, that lost my train of thought, sorry, that's what happens when I talk about my wife. Now I need a kiss. <laughs> okay, I'll get a drink of water. So, so we need a beginning. Every one of us. Can, can you remember back when you had your beginning? Oh, that's where I was. Karen and I were having marital problems and it was all her fault. And she said to me, she said, Dave, we bought a new house. We thought that would fix it. You know new houses don't fix marital problems? Did anybody here know that? Is it, does everybody know that? House doesn't fix marital problems? Children do not fix marital problems. Money does not fix marital problems. Does not. None of those things. So she said, look, when we move into our new house, you've got to promise to go to church with me. I didn't like Christians. I cleaned five churches. I had a janitorial service, cleaned five churches. I saw all the Christians behind the scenes. And I always said, man, if I ever saw somebody who I really thought believed this stuff, and a preacher who really preached this stuff, I might believe. But what I see is a bunch of hypocrisy. And it was sad. But I had that attitude, and I was around five different kinds of churches, so everybody had an opportunity, but they just never showed me what it was like to be a Christ follower. But my dear wife, she said, look, this is our last-ditch effort. Let's start the church. I said, well, if you think it'll help, babe, let's try. So we moved into a house. There was a church around the corner, and I went there, and Jack Kranz came into my life. He had a little guy about five foot four. He always lied. He told people he was five six. Never been, never been five six. He was a liar, but I didn't worry about that. If I'm only going to lie about your height, that's okay. I know you only came up to my belly button. You don't have to tell me nothing. 
But, but, but Jack, it's like if I told you today I'm, I'm, I'm 150 pounds. How many would believe it? You just wouldn't believe it. You just could tell he was short. You know, I mean, it's just, it's okay. But, but he preached the word of God like he was six foot eight. He preached the word of God, and it so infiltrated my heart that I could not let go of it. And on the fourth week, I was supposed to go to church. My wife and I went off to the mountains to visit with some friends. And while we were in the mountains, I said, we're in the, in the mountains with my drinking buddies. Now, most of you are good Christians, so you've never had drinking buddies. But, but, but I had drinking buddies. So, 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 so we were in the mountains. They bought me a case of my favorite kind of beer. They said, if you run out, we'll get more. Don't worry about it. And I couldn't drink that weekend. And not, not because I didn't want to drink, but I just, the Spirit of God was on me. He was convicting me. He was, he was drawing me into a relationship with the living God. The Spirit of God was just, just pulling at my heart. So on Saturday night, we're sitting around a table playing card games. And everybody's saying, what's wrong with you? You had not been drinking. I, I don't know. But I said, 1 o'clock in the morning, I said, who wants to go to church with me tomorrow? <laughs> drinking buddies. Now, the drinkers will laugh at that. Don't know. Don't know. That silly question at 1 o'clock in the morning. And, and, and it's like, what are you talking about? Go to church. What's wrong with you? And, and I said to my wife, will you go to church with me? Well, I'm not going to church. We don't even know any churches in the area. Are you crazy? At 6 o'clock in the morning, I didn't go to bed till 2. At 6 o'clock in the morning, God woke me up and wouldn't let me go back to sleep. And I walked out into the woods. And one of the questions I had, I said, okay, if, if, if I can't believe this whole Bible, I'm not going to believe any of it. And I struggled with creation because they told me in, in, church, in, in school that I came from a monkey. They told me that the world happened because some explosion happened. And God's word said something totally opposed to it. And I said, God, until you can prove to me that, that you made the world, I'm not going to believe. And I walk out into those woods and I sit on a stump. I didn't know I was facing east. I just sat down on a stump. I was beside myself. I just didn't know what was. I felt so stuck. I didn't know how to get out. And, and, and I, I just sat there. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, God, if you're real, show up here, you know? And next thing I know, here comes the sun up through the trees. Winter day up in the north, snow on the ground, and the sun starts glistening through and in my spirit i didn't hear an audible voice but in my spirit god said to me how'd you know that sun was coming up there but lord be honest i didn't know i was facing east but i knew it was going to come up in the east he said how can they dictate what time that sun's going to come up every day how could there be such order unless i made it you know what since that day, I gave my life to Jesus right then and there. I didn't know about heaven and hell at that point. I didn't even think about that. I knew there was a God, and I needed him in my life. And so I said, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin and come into my life. And on that day, on that day, God came into my life, and I knew it. Nothing could change that. I walked into the woods, one kind of man walked out of the woods, another kind of man. Now, you can talk to my wife, you can come to her office, and she will tell you, this man is not perfect. She knows everything about me. Matter of fact, I talked to her in, she said, honey, 
I want to redo our cabinets. And, and she said, but I want to hire it out. You know, we're to the age now where we don't want to have to do all that work. Let's just get somebody to come in and paint our cabinets for us, you know. And I said, honey, it's a lot of money. We can do that ourselves. Our house been a wreck for a month. My wife walks by me and it's like, jerk, you know. It's like, why didn't you just get somebody come in here and do this for you, you know? I'm a little hard-headed sometimes. I think I can do something I can't, but it's all right. And if you're a painter and want to come help me, that'd be great. <laughs> I ain't got no money, but come on, help me anyway. It's all right. I, I, I just believe today, I just believe today that there's somebody here that needs to begin a relationship with God. God's been drawing you a long time. I'm just a, a, a spokesperson for God. As a matter of fact, it says, in, through the foolishness of preaching, people will come to know Christ. Isn't that crazy? The foolishness. And, and, and that, that's what happens is God comes in. He radically changes lives. I was talking to somebody, and somebody was telling me, you know, there's people who say that the Bible's not true. I said, I understand that. And I don't even argue with them. He said, what do you mean? I said, I don't need to debate them. He said, well, what are you talking about? You don't want to do the apologetics thing and try to prove all the points and all that? Nope. I don't need to. Because what God's word says has happened in my life. I didn't make it light, make it work. I didn't read the Bible and then say, I'll line up my life with the Bible. No. God started to change me and transform me and wash me and clean me. I'm telling you, the first month, first year I was a Christian, I wore out the carpet coming to the back in the day when we did the old altar call. Some of you might remember the altar call, but our pastor would do an altar call and he had called down the sinners. <laughs> there was another thing that week I was dealing with. I needed to get down front and pray. I needed, Jack always said, man, I love you in my church. I can always count on somebody being at the altar. <laughs> you know, and I just knew that God was moving. So for you to tell me that the Bible's not true, and yet all that is transpiring in my life just like it says it would, how do I figure that out? Is there a psychology that can figure that out? No. No. There's not. Let me take you through something that's very important to me. Uh, some people call it the Romans Road. If you'll turn in your Bible, it's going to be up here on the board. Romans Road sounds like a long trip. No, it's short. Well, I'll have you out of here long before halftime. <laughs> Say, I told you we should have come to the early service. I'm only doing chapter 1 through chapter 10 in Romans, so it won't take long at all. Starting in verse 16 of chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
The only way to receive the gospel today is by believing it. By faith. There's some people who have come into church and said, well, I'll do things for God and that way he'll love me. And they get busy in church and they're really busy in church and they're really busy doing the work at church, but they never enter into an intimate relationship with the living God. They never accept him by faith. They think I'm going to please him by my great works, by my great songs, by my great sermons. You said sermons. Pastors certainly have to know Jesus. I had a friend back in the 1980s. He uh, was pastor in church. He planted a church just like Pastor Jimmy did. Pa- pastor Jimmy and his wife planted Rocky River Church. They, they started this thing from scratch. It's awesome what God has done here. Through the grace of God, Jimmy has done marvelous work. But my, my brother in Christ, well, he is now, but, but he was pastoring a church, and they invited an evangelist in, and the evangelist came in, and he was sitting in the front row, and the evangelist was speaking, and he talked about those that gave God lip service but didn't give him his heart. And the pastor said, my goodness. Now, he planted the church. He led all the deacons to Christ. He baptized them. He baptized their wives. He baptized their children. He had started this church, and he didn't know Christ. It's possible you go to church your whole life and not have a relationship with the living God. So that day, the pastor, the the evangelist was preaching. He's pounding the pulpit. He said, you got to give your life to Christ today. And my, my friend got up and came forward to give his life to Christ. He said he wasn't going to live one more day. He wasn't going to live one more hour. He could have waited till service was over, talked to the evangelist afterwards. But he said he wasn't going to live one more minute in that hypocrisy. That that day was the day he was going to give his life to Christ. And that day he walked forward and he gave his life to Christ. And his church fired him. They thought he was a great pastor before he was a Christian. Wouldn't you think he would have been a better pastor after he was a Christian? But, but they fired him, but it was the best thing he ever did. He told me. I wouldn't have done it any different. I wouldn't do it any different. Having this, this relationship with Jesus is so important to me. And yet I talk to person after person, church after church, and, and people are bored with Jesus. They're not bored with Jesus. They're bored with church. And it's not the church's fault. It's your fault. It's because you're not in an intimate relationship with God. You don't come in here to be transformed. You come in here to be, what? Entertained? And the entertainment's not too good. I showed up and the band said, where's your shorts? I said, man, I got some ugly legs. You don't want to be looking at my legs. Pastor Jimmy got some pretty legs. I tell him all the time. <laughs> he doesn't know how to take me. I'm just one of those kind. Crude, rude, and God just wasn't able to change some things in me. We better move on. We're never going to get done. I like telling stories. Chapter 3, verse 23. And all my good Christians have this one memorized. But they forget that it applies to them sometimes. For all If I say all, who is that? Everybody. For all have sinned and do what? Fall short of the glory of God. Oh, now I don't feel too encouraged. 
I want you to tell me something good, and I'm telling you something good. God wants to change your life, and the first place you need to do is you need to humble yourself and tell him there is absolutely nothing you can do to please him. There's no song you can sing, no sermon you can preach, no good deed you can do, no homeless person you can feed that will get you into a right relationship with God. But the very next verse, verse 24, and are justified, made right by his grace as a gift. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can buy. It's not. It is a gift. Are made right by a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, a payment by his blood to be received by what? By faith. People today, you might have been a Christian a long time. But you don't wake up excited about it anymore. There may have been one time when you were very excited about your faith. And it has gotten pushed to the background because you're too busy. If you're too busy for God today, you're, you're, you have a problem. Because remember, I said there's a beginning and an end. God spoke the world into existence. He gave us something to do while we're here. And Jesus is coming again and we're supposed to be ready for it. But we're not getting ourselves ready. We're just, well, you don't understand, God. Uh, when we stand in his presence, each one of us will give account for what we did with what, what he gave us. And, and, and you don't understand, God, I, I was surrounded by clowns and jokers. It's their fault. He said, when did I ever tell you to focus on the people around you? You were supposed to focus on me. You were supposed to focus on my mission for your life. You were supposed to focus on the almighty God. And you came into church to worry about which song was going to be sung that Sunday. Oh, that's not my favorite. Somebody told me the music's really loud here. I'm a 70s rock guy. What can I say? It never gets too loud for me. But it's just, I'm the wrong person to tell that to. I'm telling you, God wants a relationship with you. This is how much you would, if you turn to chapter 5, verse 8, we're going fast. We're going fast. We're going to be done this way before halftime. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God didn't sit up in heaven and say, well, as soon as these people get all their lives straightened out, I'll go down. He didn't do that. He said, look, these people are never going to get their act together, so I'm going to send somebody who will help them. I'm going to send my own son, and he is going to spread out his arms on the cross of Calvary. And he is going to die for each and every man, woman, and child sin so that they can have life. I'm not going to wait for him to straighten out. I'm, I'm excited about this, God says. He sent his son to die. Remember when the Roman, you know, the, the um, Pontius Pilate said, don't you know, Jesus, your hand, your life is in my hands? Jesus, my life has never been in your hands. I know who sent me here. That's my version of it. God knew that he was sending his son to die. He knew, and he did it because he loves 
you. He demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. Chapter 6, verse 23. I work. I have the easiest job in the world right now. If my boss is listening, thank you. Uh, but I go around. I, I'm, I work for a construction company. Construction is pretty hard work. But I carry an iPad, so I walk around with my iPad and a, a roll of tape, and I stick a piece of tape on a wall, and then I take a picture of it, and then I write a little report. Wall's bad. You know, and I go over to the stove. Stove's crooked. Oh, take a picture. Stove's crooked. I make a list, and then I send it off to the construction manager who has to fix everything. Now, even though my job's easy, if I work for the two weeks and then I come over to my to, to payday and I, I go online and that's how you do it now. I go online and look and see if my, my, my pay dropped. And if it wasn't there, what would I do? I guess I just don't get paid this week. Nah, I'd be on the phone. Human resources. Hey, I put my hours in and my pay didn't drop. What's going on here? Where's my money? I want what I earn. This is one of these things. We don't want what we earn. We don't want it. It says here, the wages of sin is death. What we deserve to do is die. What we've earned with the works we've done in this lifetime is what we deserve is death. But I like the next part a lot better. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift. That's the second passage I showed you that talked about a gift, didn't it? Now, it's your birthday. And somebody special to you brings you a gift and it's all wrapped up. And they put it in front of you. I don't want it. Never mind. My wife, when she sees gifts from me, which isn't very often, she's fearful. She doesn't know what she's going to get. One time I bought her something she already had. She wore this red blazer. It really looked good on her. So when I went to the store, bought her another one. <laughs> she opens it up. My daughters are teenagers, and they're looking. She's looking like, are you serious? So I'm the worst gift giver in the world. If I say I'm going to give you a gift, you're in trouble. God gives great gifts. He knows exactly what you need. See, eternal life doesn't start when we die. This is what I found out back in 1979. Eternal life starts when you give your life to Christ. And the journey begins. And my goodness, what a great journey it's been. I look back across the 40 years that I've walked with Christ, and, 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 and I will never say, man, I'm sorry I made that decision. Still, by far, the best decision I ever made in my life. The second one's my wife, but Jesus was by far the best decision I ever made in my life. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, she wouldn't still be in my life. There's no way she was going to be put up with the miserable cuss I was outside of Christ. It's hard enough as a Christian. So how do you enter into this relationship with Jesus? If you turn with me to chapter 10. Hey, you know, 
I, I was thinking about this when I was preparing to preach this. And I thought, you know, there might be a lot of Christians in the room who are thinking, I don't need to hear this. I've already entered into this relationship. I don't know why you're wasting my time today. Let me take you on a little bit of a journey. Maybe you've lost your intimacy with God. Maybe you've lost your uh, personal daily walk with God. Maybe you have lost the, your excitement about your relationship with the living God and you're just punching the ticket, coming to church and going home and it doesn't change a thing all week long. There's something missing, people. And I can guarantee you that this is where it starts. It starts by confessing Jesus all over again. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life as much today as I did March 25th, 1979. Matter of fact, God, I need you more. Because I know more about you now today. And I need everything you've promised in your word in my life. And if I can't have it, I don't want it at all. I just want to die. But God has given me a life to be excited about. And it starts right here in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. I believe God is moving in your heart even now that the word of faith, we, that is the word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. There we are, back to the Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I believe there's people here today that already know Christ. And I'm calling on you today to call on the name of the Lord. Say, Lord, re renew that fire that was once in my life. Or set this life on fire for your kingdom. Allow me to not any longer live for myself, but to live for you. And there's people here today that have never entered into this relationship. It doesn't matter how active you've been in this church. It doesn't matter how many churches you've been to or how many times you've been baptized. If you haven't entered into this relationship in your heart, then you're not in it at all. Because he says you have to believe. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't say you have to believe it in your mind. And when they talk in the heart, I know Jimmy's probably already taught this. Heart means down into your gut. Like, I'm going to fight for this. Man, you don't want to mess. You don't want to mess with God anymore. God loves you so much. He has such a great plan for your life and you're missing it. You're missing it and you're stuck and you're stuck in things and you think all the things you're stuck in are the problem and the things you're stuck in aren't the problem at all. The fact that you're living this life without the power of the living God inside you is the problem. The guys at work, they think I'm crazy. You say, man, you're always in a good mood. Why? I said, why wouldn't I be? I'm not allowed to preach at work, but I can live for Jesus at work. I'm not going to be the guy complaining all day at work. I'm not going to be the guy complaining about my church. I'm going to try to change my church. 
I'm going to try to change my church by allowing Christ to live in me and flow through me and make a difference in the community I worship in, make a difference in the youth group I'm in, make a difference in the school I'm in, make a difference everywhere I go. And you cannot do it day in and day out without a personal, intimate relationship with the living God. You can't do it. You can't play churchianity the rest of your life. You got to get on fire for God. Jesus is coming. I already told you that. Let's look at that again. We might not have looked at that in this service. Let's look at Revelation chapter 22. I know I quoted it, but we got to look at it. It's right up there. Verse 20. He who testifies these things says, so the book of Revelation was given to John. John didn't write it. It was given to John by Jesus himself. Surely I am coming soon. I am coming soon. So I'm an Eagles fan. And everybody knows you need to pray for Eagles fans. I'm an Eagles fan. If it's more important to me today that the Eagles are on. My wife and I are big football fans, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the most important thing, and she said yesterday, only 24 hours till game time. I said, oh, and I'm preaching in 21. You're not worried about that? <laughs> it's like, come on, girl. She says, oh, I've heard that a lot of times. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Jesus, what if he showed up today? Well, I hope he shows up while I'm in church. That sure would look good. It looks better if I'm in church when he shows up. What if he shows up at 3 o'clock after the game started and you're throwing things at the TV? I've done it. I've done it. I got a pillow in my house. She got me something soft to throw at the TV. I'm being honest with you. I, I'm, I have nothing to hide. I am not a perfect man, and that's not what I'm talking about. We all have fallen short, every one of us. We're all in the same boat together. And the only one that can bail it out is Jesus. Do you hear me? The only one that can right the ship is Jesus. He was sleeping in the front of the boat, and they're all thinking they're going to drown. These guys are fishermen. They're never afraid. They know how to deal with the sea. You know, wait, wake up. Don't you know we're going to die? And he just stands up and says, peace, be still. Goes back to sleep. It's, it's, it's crazy. We're fighting this life. We're feeling stuck. We're feeling, we're feeling like, like, like life owns us and we can't enjoy life anymore. And yet God has so much more for us. And all you got to do is reach out to him. Say today, Lord, I need you. I've strayed away from you. I've watched things that I shouldn't be watching. I'm going places I shouldn't be going. I'm acting ways I shouldn't be acting. Lord, you know I've, I've fallen short. I'm ready to be 100% on your team, God. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to change. And I realize, God, today I'm kind of at my wit's end because I've tried to change myself. I've been on 30 seven different diets. I've lost 4,254 pounds. 
and I found everyone back. I know. I know. But I believe today there's somebody here that just says, Lord, come in. Lord, come in. Lord, I can't do this anymore by myself. I need your help. Cry out to him. Say, say, I need your help. I want you. I want to live for you. I want to help make this church on this corner. Jimmy said it two weeks ago. There's 92,000 people that are unchurched in Cabarrus County. Man, all we got to do is get a bunch of Christ followers in here that are excited to worship Jesus and excited to serve Jesus, and we can go out into the highways and the byways and invite them in. Jimmy can't preach them in. The worship team can't, pray, can't sing them in. They can't. But I can tell you what, all of you can bring them in. Isn't that what he did? He sent out his servants into the highways and the byways. Say, go get them. And so the king didn't say, hey, I'll go find everybody. No, he said, go, go servants, go get them. Jesus said, the verse that Mr. David read, Christ humbled himself and became a servant, even obedient unto death. Who, who's in? Who's in? Okay, we, we, we start over again. He said, Lord, come in. Now, Lord, use me. See, that's the perform part. It's not that I'm performing for him. He's helping me become everything, the vessel that I need to be that will bring people into this place. There is no reason why sitting on this corner that this place isn't exploding. There's no reason. And we can point fingers at everybody, but what I'm asking you to do today is own it yourself. Don't think about what everybody else can do. Think about what you can do. Say, Lord, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Use me for your glory. Help me make a difference. What time am I supposed to be done? 1245? No. <laughs> I, 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 I just can't say it enough. I love you, Rocky River. Man, you've come a long way. There were days when Jimmy and I would pray together and we were praying to break the 100th barrier and you've crushed it. We were praying to break the 200th barrier and you crushed it. And well, what are you saying, preacher? It's about numbers? No, there's individuals in your life that don't know Jesus, that need to know Jesus, and you need to be that Christ follower that makes a difference in their lives. You have to be the man. You have to be the woman. I'm just saying, what does God have for you today? I didn't do this in the first service. I'm a, I'm a YouTube nut. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to it. It's crazy. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I, I, I'll just sit there and listen to gospel songs. I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I like, I like rock and roll, but I love old hymns. I love all different kinds of stuff. Just, just bear with me one second. Nope. I say, I got to tap to retry. Man, this place is giving me. I guess I'm not supposed to do it. My wife tells me I'm not allowed to sing in church. 
But you remember the old song that we used to sing? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Can you help me out on that? Go ahead, start it. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Wow. Because he first loved me. Isn't that what I've been talking about? Now, trust me, Alan Jackson does a much better job on that. He does a much better job on that. But I want you to hear it today, Christian. I want you to hear it today. Maybe you haven't entered into that relationship yet, but, 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 but he loves you. He first loved you. And he's inviting you into a relationship with him. So I'm going to close with us praying. And I'm going to pray and receive Jesus all over again. I've done it thousands of times. And I'm never... Never look back and say, man, I shouldn't have done that again. People think I'm scared that I'm lost. No, I'm not. But I'm sure thankful that I'm not. And thankful that Jesus is in my life. So if you want to pray with me, you can pray out loud or you can pray silently. I don't care. But, but just give your heart to Jesus all over again. Just, Lord, give him to me for the first time. And just say, Lord, come into my life. I'm not worried about you coming forward or telling me. Tell somebody else. It's not about me. It's about you, and you need him more now than ever before. Just admit it, and allow this to be a great day to have been in church. Father in heaven, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you showed us that love through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he died for our sin. We thank you that he was buried. And we thank you that he rose again from the dead. Lord, I confess Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart, God, that you have raised him from the dead. And I believe that everyone who calls on your name, and I'm calling, will have eternal life. Lord, allow this life to be lived for you. It's in the precious and holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen.